Hello, all you listeners out there. It is time for Movie Mastery. That's right. It's the podcast where we watch the shows that you want us to. And I mean, this time we were literally bribed to do so. And I will tell all of you listeners right now, I am not above being bribed to do a movie. Yeah, I don't know if anyone thought that we had any kind of integrity or anything, but Ooh, uh, I do not. <laughs> I would like to disabuse you all of that notion. No. So if any of you want us specifically to do a thing, send money. <laughs> that It works very fast. So we were sent a couple of DVDs, and uh, this was the first of them. Well, it was the one that was specifically requested. It was, yeah. uh, it, above the other ones that were included in the package, this was the one that was re- was wanted to be done. Yeah, uh, they especially wanted it before Christmas time. Unfortunately, I died. Yeah, John so. John got sick, and also in the rare periods where he wasn't sick, he was out of town. <laughs> yes, so we it's are Christmas doing it. in January. Well, I mean, thankfully. It's just Winter's Tale, not Christmas Tale. That's true. A Christmas Tale would have been a very different thing. Yes. So Isn't a movie called that? I don't know. Probably, right? Probably. I mean, there's Hallmark movies for everything. Yeah. So we watched Winter's Tale, a movie with Colin Farrell and Russell Crowe and definitely a lot of other people. <laughs> there's a lot of people. There's a lot of people. A lot of people that have names in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm sure they were all very expensive to acquire for the film. Now, I want to go ahead and say, if you don't know anything about Winter's Tale, like I knew nothing about Winter's Tale coming into this, this is a very different movie than what you assume it is from looking at the box and even kind of reading the back. That's true. As the IMDb description in particular is just wrong in yeah, general. The top to bottom, the IMDb description is like, oh, no, none of this is true. <laughs> none of this is right. You got two things right in that it is a burglar and an heiress, and even then, not really an heiress? <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I mean, without getting into full spoilers, this movie... Seems like it's going to be like a dramatic mm-hmm. love story type thing. Uh, from what they set up within the first few minutes, it honestly seems like it's going to be one of those like, oh, uh, someone had a love way back in the day and then like their grandkids meet or something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, instead, this movie is magic. And yeah, it's about the <laughs> magic of the human spirit and the devils actual, and angels, actual and- religion stuff. Yeah. Actual angels, actual demons, mm-hmm. uh, and humans and miracles and love and flying magic, magic horses <laughs> that are dogs, actually flying dog horses. <laughs> so it gets, I'm going to say a little weird when it's, watching this. Yeah. Unfortunately, it still bears all the trappings of a generic Christmassy romance movie. And so despite how weird it gets, it never really gets good. Exactly. Yeah, the problem is it's not integrated into it so well. Because when you're watching it, even though, like, the main idea behind the movie is this whole, like, there are miracles and angels and demons and this galactic, like, fight between good and evil and the balance and whatever, every time anything that isn't just like, oh, hello, welcome to our chalet, oh, we're having tea, and then, like, suddenly a horse flies, you're like, what the fuck? Oh, yeah, that's right. Basically, this movie serves as a strong argument for why it's a good thing that there's only the one Good Omens book. (laughs) (laughs) 
any side stories aren't going to be worth it. Is it? <laughs> yeah, if we're not following the main guys in that, ooh, everyone else just terrible. Yeah, anytime if if you ever watch any kind of story that's uh, that's that's good omens and it's not about two vaguely gay angels, it's not going to be a good time. Yeah, you got to get them gangels. You got to have them them vaguely gay angels. And boy, do I ever love those boys. Ah, uh, they're good boys. Who doesn't want to hang out with those two fellas? Yeah. Yeah. Which one's your favorite? I mean, obviously, it's a zero fail. I think everyone, most people will prefer a zero fail, except for the people who prefer Crowley. <laughs> See, it's because I myself am a pillowy marshmallow I know. Boy. <laughs> Actually, I honestly forgot which one was which for a split second there. Uh, that's why I was trying to self-correct at the end. But yeah, you're definitely in a zero fail kind of guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I am just a, a cuddly little marshmallow boy mm-hmm. that has a nice little bookshop. Don't you just want to hang out in a bookshop all day and... Make, how would you like to own a permanently closed bookstore? <laughs> right? <laughs> that's, that, that's People probably... come in and I'm like, oh, sorry, we're closed. Yeah. Now, uh, myself, I guess I'd have to be the other one. Because we can't both <laughs> the be... The other one. We can't both be a zero fails. No. There's a zero fail. There's, you know, that bad one, I guess. You know, that other one. Yeah. Tom. <laughs> yes, Is that right? that's right. It's Tom. Tom. Tom Hiddleston. <laughs> Obviously, I like Crowley more because he's cool, and he like and all of his tapes turn into Queen tapes, and I love Queen tapes. Those are those are cool tapes because he's cool, and he runs around on the streets and gets into trouble and goes down hills on a skateboard. <laughs> oh, our childhoods! Uh we are indeed the <laughs> the angel and the demon from Good Omens. We are That's in- us. We are indeed the titular odd couple. <laughs> It's Linguini. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Obviously. Oh, that's the problem. We're both slobs. <laughs> Hang on. We can, fi- we can solve Hold this. On. <laughs> the problem is I should be the fastidious one, and I'm definitely not. Yeah, I know. Oh, well. And I should be the slovenly one, and indeed I am. <laughs> uh, okay, so we are going to play a little music. We're going to dive into the full spoiler weird world of Winter's Tale. All I need is a miracle. All I need is you. All I need is a miracle. All I need is you. All I need is a miracle. All I need is you. We have returned. And now, for the time-hopping air flying dog horsing that is winter's tail <laughs> i enjoy a good dog horsing <laughs> ah but i hate some horse dogging yeah horse dogging is crass <laughs> that's just crass how could you <laughs> so uh so first of all let's, let's talk about this real quick i look we both looked this movie up a little bit during the uh during the film uh, how much money did it cost to make again why it had a budget of about 60 million Okay, and I can already tell you where 20 of that million went. Uh, <laughs> and how much did it make? Uh, it made worldwide about 25 million? Oof. Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know who the target market for this thing was exactly. Like, it's got kind of, I, I guess people who, they were hoping for like residual Titanic likers. Like, I mean, oh, I love the, the how romantic people with floppy hair were in the 1910s. <laughs> See, there's there's definitely for me a place for this movie for certain people. Mm-hmm. Now, because it's got the whole like, ooh, we're doing the like nineteen tens thing, and we've got like 
a pretty lady with consumption and a and a rascal that falls in love with her. You've got that whole I crowd. I mean, I'm not going to lie. She has the Kate Winslet haircut, too. Oh, yeah. So. But also, it definitely feels like if you're one of those people who's like, I loved, I don't know, Stardust or something, and I've got a real Neil Gaiman love of, like, fantasy intruding on real life yeah i could see that yeah you know what that's right that's just like we mentioned with good omens and so on this does have a tiny bit of a neil gaiman edge to it but not enough and not gothy enough (laughs) the the problem is it never really gets to the point where it's a main character usually in a like fantastic realism type thing like this Mm -hmm. you'll have a point where you're like oh yes the the fantastic side of this will become prominent in some way yes but it never does in this even when you have there's a climactic battle at the end that has some magic in it but well even when you have like well this horse can fly you're like yeah but you show that and then they land and then it doesn't matter anymore (laughs) that's true the horse always seems to land still in trouble yeah, and then they're like, oh, well, I guess we landed. Guess we ran out of horse juice. That's that's what keeps this horse in the air. Yeah. <laughs> High-octane horse juice. <laughs> but uh, this movie has, to start with, you know you're getting some nonsense because we have 2014 and 1895. Yeah, two time periods happening concurrently. Uh, we see Colin, ha- Colin Farrell. Colin Hanks. Colin Hanks. <laughs> and... We see Colin Farrell wandering the uh, Grand Central Station of New York, which is weirdly empty, and apparently you can go up to the roof all you want. Yeah, in 2014, you can just go into Grand Central Station and fuck around however you want. Yeah, there's secret roof houses up in there. Uh, And and he's got Severus Snape hair. Yeah, Uh, he's definitely got a choice of hair going on. (laughs) And... In 1895, there is a couple with a child that is at Ellis Island trying to get in. Yeah, yeah, they're they're uh, at Ellis Island. Although a title card for 1895 does mark that as Grand Central Station again. Well, you know, <laughs> uh, which is an interesting decision, given that 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 well, I, you know, it's a fantasy universe. I guess. Well, I mean, in this universe, in this universe. Grand Central Station was built 18 years earlier than it was built. That's And on Ellis Island. And on Ellis Island, yeah. <laughs> because they are definitely on an island and then on a boat and never get to mainland New York. Yeah. <laughs> but, any, but anyway, yeah, we get a title card for 1895, Grand Central Station, which, you know, that, that wasn't a thing. Uh, but, and, oh, and also, the husband of this family, that's Matt Bomer. Yeah, I mean, you can't really tell because he's in some serious period makeup yeah he's for from, like his his choice of beard yeah and he's from sad times uh, the country we don't <laughs> we never get an establishment of, of where him and the wife are from but it's bad apparently yeah uh well i guess you know it's like 19 it's 1895 so europe sucks yeah yeah okay uh so he goes in does the dad to get uh physical and apparently he's got something wrong with him with his lungs, apparently. They both did, actually. They, uh, the doctor wrote peas on both of their backs, which indicated that they had pulmonary... Something. Something or it's, other. It's pulmonary, is all they say. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, you have a pulmonary, so you can't You've come got in. lungs, I'm sorry. <laughs> My guess is they just also had consumption. 
I mean, that was my thought. And when we say also have consumption, it's because the main lady has oh, consumption. Oh, when you know it, this whole movie is about sad, sick women. About a sad, sick woman that doesn't let the fact that she's dying stop her from living. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, great. Uh, okay. Now, they're going to be sent off, but because... I guess they're like, well, it would be better for us to probably kill our baby than go back to wherever we were from with them. Uh, we'll take a model ship that's on this boat, mm -hmm. hollow it out, and then put our baby inside of this boat, Moses style. Yeah, then put him into the harbor, and good enough. <laughs> Well, no. I mean, first they stopped to give him a large speech about how the yellow sun of New York is going to give him powers that are going to change him. Oh, yeah. But he should respect the people of New York. He'll and be learn different, <laughs> but he needs to be a shepherd for them. When you learn to run far ahead and faster than them, they will follow. <laughs> uh, and uh, the plaque that was on the little ship is important because it is City of Justice, and this really pissed off the dad because he got turned away and his kid was going to get turned away. So. Yeah, it, it would have been justice for them to be allowed into New York with their consumption. Yeah, uh, that's justice. Yeah, but but so, uh, so yeah, the, the ship is a little ship he sails in and is apparently called the City of Justice. And so he he takes the name, or his, the nameplate of the ship has followed him throughout his childhood and up into, in, into when he's an adult Colin Farrell. Yeah, in 2014, we see Colin Farrell up in the... Uh, weird attic it's room. The, it's the hunchback section of Grand Central Station. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. Uh, it's where you go when you need sanctuary. Uh -huh. And he's got the blanket and the City of Justice plaque thing in a little box. Yeah, he's managed to keep that blanket all this time because it's made of a fabric that no one can pierce or, 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 uh, Indeed. or, or cut. Yeah. <laughs> and you see he's got this crest on his chest that says City of Justice. <laughs> where I'm from, it means hope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so anyway, these two stories play out uh, just like that. Like we, the the, the uh, title card of the film and comes in as a baby in a toy boat goes sailing vaguely towards New York. Now, after that happens, of course, or rather, sort of during, we we have a narration from someone. Oh right, yeah. That is just the most like sometimes farty fart prose language. Yeah, it's so bad. When it's an like angel has life, then stars twinkle. But do stars give life to us? Could our journey through life is to find <laughs> God's miracle. Could there have been a time before stars twinkled in the sky? I believe that each star is a person <laughs> sent there to twinkle oh. by an angel. Yeah, the wings of that angel are justice. It's a lot of farty prose that happens. <laughs> it's so forgettable instantly. Like as as the woman is reading the lines, they each one is so generically twee that it just leaves your head. Oh yeah, you're just like all the world is connected and we're connected and there's magic. Magic is everywhere. If you look for magic in the stars, mm -hmm. the stars are people, but they're also angels <laughs> and magic. You're like, uh, what? <laughs> I believe when angels come to Earth to seek destiny, justice will find a miracle to the stars of the angel wings. <laughs> thanks. Oh, all right. Okay, great. Thank you for that narration. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for letting that, me know this movie's going to be bad. <laughs> that really <laughs> let me know things that I wasn't going to understand otherwise. Because normally you only have narration when you need to explain something, and that definitely helped. Consider the tone set. <laughs> So now we get rid of 
both 2014 and 1895 and jumped to 1915. Yes, 1915. World War I is a foot. But you wouldn't know it from this film. Yeah, World War One is a trench foot. <laughs> yeah. I would merely leap around the puddles and avoid trench foot. <laughs> I, I would very, be nimble. I am very intelligent. <laughs> uh, and we smash open in 1915 to a, a Colin Farrell, but now with very uh, much... Like a, Pete Wentz hair instead of uh, Severus Snape hair? Yeah. He's, yeah. he's got... The poor Irish boy hair that yeah. they made it's, everyone in the 1910s have for no it's, reason. It's, yeah, it's the floppy buzz cut or, or undercut of the 1910s. Uh, I'm pretty sure what's his Jack whatever from uh, yeah from uh, Titanic had the exact same haircut. Oh, it's so romantic when you've got a flop hair that flops. Hell yeah, yeah. So specifically to one side. Our currently supposed to be 21 year old Colin Farrell, mm-hmm. who is <laughs> definitely not. not. Yeah, that's a mistake. <laughs> He's had a hard 21 years. Hell yeah, I mean, he granted, has. to be fair, he did grow up an orphan in New York who was he pulled grew up out on of the a, mean streets. To, pulled out of a toy boat by... Uh, oyster catchers or a, some in, shit? A, yeah, a Native American oyster fisher who uh, has one scene in the film. Yep. And, and he tells us all about the songs of his people. <laughs> because if there's one thing this movie needed to go with all of its uh, vague ca- Catholic mysticism, it's one couple of lines of Native American mysticism. Woo! Uh, so he is being chased by a bunch of guys mm-hmm. and we don't know what's going on, but they want to beat him up or kill him they or whatever. Kill him. He jumps a fence and punches a couple of them and one of them gets a, then he just immediately slips and falls on ice. And <laughs> there where he has fallen is a white horse. Yeah, there's a horse just standing. Up. So basically this horse is like basically hiding around the corner from the view of all these gang guys. So... And so he starts talking to it, and from the view of them, he's got to look crazy at this point, because he is, from their point of view, staring at a wall going, horse, horse, you got to come here, horse. Well, the funny thing is he doesn't say anything but horse. Horse, horse, come on, horse, 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 horse. (laughs) Several times. One of them gets a beat on him with a gun, and then that's when we get our arrival of the movie's big villain, Russell Crowe, who's like, aye, 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 not like that. We've got him. Let's just use the knives nice and slow. You're like, oh, good. It's one of those where Russell Crowe's a, an Inspector Javert, but murdery. He is definitely an evilsman. He has a giant scar running along the side of his face. Yeah, and he has the high and tight haircut of a 1915 <laughs> bad guy. <laughs> uh, Wait, hold on. I think in Titanic, both the good and bad guys had the flop hair, though, didn't they? Uh, Billy Zane, I believe so. Yeah, Billy Zane had that specific type of flop hair where it only flops when he gets really mad or crazy. Oh, yes. It's the the, uh, properly slicked back. Yeah. But as soon as he becomes obviously a villain... One side flops out. Yeah, or two, but but it's right in the front, so it it gives him, like, minotaur horns made of cool hair. (laughs) Made of cool hair. Not like your dumb hair. It's it's Billy Zane. He's trying to help you out. He's cool. So, uh, so anyway, yeah... (laughs) They're they're still they're getting ready to murder him with knives or whatever, and then he jumps on this magic horse, and he's like, "Horse, let's leave!" And instead of running away, it runs towards them, and he goes, "Horse, horse, horse! horse what are you doing, horse, horse, horse? horse, horse. horse no, the other way, horse!" <laughs> and then it turns out the horse jumps over and the this like twenty foot high fence. Yeah, the horse can fly. In this scene, you don't see the horse fly, but you see it super jump. Yeah, it has uh, Luigi jumps in it, this. It has Luigi jumps in this scene only. And this is the point where Colin Farrell is like, hey, you can leap tall buildings in a single bound. 
I'm going to call you Streaks. <laughs> you and I are going to work on this oh, no, skill wait, Comet, together. Sorry, Comet's the super horse. That's correct. My Streak, bad. Streaky is the cat, I believe. Yes. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> it's okay. No one no one was mad at you about your, your misnaming of 1960s Supergirl characters. <laughs> uh, so he manages to get his super horse over to Cecil, the one black man in town. Mm-hmm. And he's... Well, <laughs> one of the two black One guys. of the two. <laughs> See? Stay tuned for the surprise cameo. Of the second black man in town. <laughs> yeah. So he's like, hey, Cecil, I found a horse, and it's a good horse, and I need you to take care of it. Its name is Horse. That sure is a great horse. Let's talk about that horse for an entire scene. Let's have a whole scene where I'm like, this horse... Uh, you give him the best stable and a cashmere blanket, and he saved my life, and this horse is a horse for horse. Mm -hmm. Horse, horse. Yeah, now, so he's like, hey, get him all this good stuff, and also I'm going to leave town because Soapy wants to kill me, but I'm just going to wait for that to blow over. Pearly. Pearly. Soapy, Soapy Pearls, (laughs) our our hero. Soapy Sales, our villain. (laughs) Our villain. Uh, yeah, the villain is named Pearly Soames. Yeah, Pearly Soames is Russell Crowe. Yeah. And... (sighs) So the Cecil's like, yeah, sure, uh, I'll there's, take care of him. There's no way this blows over. Yeah, Pearly doesn't seem like the kind of person that lets things blow over. Mm-hmm. And uh, he pays for all the stuff, and he doesn't take his change. And, oh, that's going to come back later. Because this is a movie that also really wants to be signs, I guess? Signs or Crash or any number of movies that are about, about the or traffic. Any number of movies where it's like, oh, Everything's a web of connections. Oh, that change he didn't take? Oh, it's going to come back later. It'll change him. (laughs) (laughs) I honestly kind of feel bad for Cecil in this situation because he just shows up again once in 2014. This must be his ghost who pops up and is like, oh, good, I'm here to do my thing. Does like one random thing. Okay, I'm out of the movie again. Well, no, he's one of the, he's like the horse. Oh, he's like, he yeah, that's gets right. mentioned. That's right. He does get mentioned uh, as a person who's there to help Cecil yeah. something or other. Cecil, whatever, is one of the not an angel, but I guess one of the good spirits. Yeah. Yeah. We get a couple different references to various miracle Bible things happening throughout New York that are kind of neat. But ultimately, the movie doesn't build enough to make it interesting. No. So next day he goes to leave. And we are introduced to our love interest in this movie, mm-hmm. a fiery redhead with consumption that plays Brahms, and oh, her fever makes it so that she can see the light that connects everything. Oh, that scene went on for like an hour. Okay, so yeah, he, we, yeah, we get a scene where we meet her in her own home. Uh, it turns, you know, she has consumption because she sleeps in an ultra cold bed on the roof of the house. Yeah, uh, because apparently. As long as they keep her refrigerated, she'll uh, she'll ne- she's the yeah, Nora she keeps. <laughs> she's the Nora Freeze of this mo- this universe because uh, because she keeps they just they keep her on ice until until her father William Hurt can discover a cure by robbing Gotham. I, I guess yeah, <laughs> he just needs those diamonds for his freeze gun. I could have seen William William Hurt would be an okay Mister Freeze actually. I mean he would have been would have been probably yeah he's too old now. Yeah, but I'd say you know give me like a. 15 years ago, mm-hmm. I would take him. Yeah, that would be that. I wouldn't fine. kick him out of bed. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I would, because he'd be in big old Mr. Freeze armor. I'd be like, get out of my bed, you're going to break it. Oh, oh. sorry. <laughs> I care not for breaking your bed. <laughs> <laughs> what good is bed when you cannot feel the warm embrace of love? I love how we're both immediately doing the Michael Ansara, Mr. Freeze. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> there is none other. <laughs> 
It is the best Mr. Freezer's ever been. Yes. All right. So yeah, she <laughs> she's playing Brahms and a a guy who makes eyeglasses, like an optometrist, comes over and he's like, Oh, I uh, my sister died of the consumption and I'm so sorry and here you go. I, I hope these glasses help. She's like, oh, my fever. It makes it so that I see the light. And the light connects everything. That glass and these, <laughs> the, that fire, this chair. The log. The window. The <laughs> to the wall. From the window to the wall. To the sweat that drops down your balls. It's all connected in light. <laughs> all right. Thanks, consumption girl. I'm glad that you are manic pixie dream consumption girl uh yeah i mean ultimately the whole one person in the relationship is ultra sick part uh thing is literally a genre of of romance fiction oh yeah i mean you can't have something that takes place in the 1910s and not have someone dying from consumption yeah i've even seen the term sick lit get bantered around for this kind of thing where where it's ultra romantic because one of them's gonna die soon yeah i mean it's it's your moulin rouge yeah so uh, there's there's a lot of these sorts. It's, it's your my girl, yeah. Except that's an accident. That's like, no one's sick in my no girl. No one's sick. It's in just one of them's just allergic. To it's bees. bridge to Terabithia. <laughs> it's Radio Flyer. It's uh, <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot of these. It's not Radio Flyer. That's about children. <laughs> it's Radio Flyer. Yeah, it's Shrek. Have you ever seen Radio Flyer? You ever seen Shrek? Yes. All I right. love I love the part where they dance at the end. <laughs> Uh, so yes, she has to go on a far too long thing about how light and connection and everything's great, even though she's dying, because we have to know that this fiery redhead who is dying will not give up on life. Yeah, there's even a scene where her wonderful little sister Willa comes in to visit her, and, and she's like, I don't want you to die. And she's like, oh, you know, that's not my my choice. Uh, I will die when it's time for me to die. I believe that the stars are miracles, and each star is an angel, and every star has a name. And she starts, you know, naming stars. And that's Castor, and that's Pleiades. No, those are many stars, that's, not that's one. That's seven stars. That's a constellation. That's the Pleiades. That's, that's, a, that's a globular cluster. That's not a, that's not a star. Ursa Major. All right, well, now. <laughs> okay, that's a constellation. I think Ursa Major is also a star. Is that right? Ursa Minor. Yeah. Anyway, she's like, it's like that's Castor, that's Pollux, and that one, that one's Ursa Major. And I want, I wanted Willow to be like, it seems like all of them are Greek. Do, do only Greek people get stars? Yeah. <laughs> you only get to name a star if you're Greek. <laughs> and that's that's true to this very day. To Every, this day. Yeah. Like, a, 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 what's her name? Nia Vardalos. When she finally dies, there'll be a star named Nia Vardalos <laughs> in the sky. <laughs> ah, and there's Pollux and Vardalos. And- <laughs> we'll call it. My big fat Greek star. <laughs> uh, so, yes. When uh, Colin Farrell goes to leave... Oh, I should mention that Colin Farrell's character is named Peter Lake. This is going to be important because <laughs> there will not go, I want to say, two minutes in this movie where he is on screen that someone doesn't say peter lake things that no one says in this movie include the singular words peter or lake yeah no one ever says hey peter no one ever says mr lake yeah he is only referred to as peter lake even when he probably shouldn't even be referred to by name like just go like can you come here it'd be like peter lake please come here peter lake (laughs) i am peter lake he says that i'm peter lake i'm peter lake he says about a thousand times thank you colin farrell uh who are you again Uh, peter lake yeah and where are you from oh i live right by peter lake (laughs) (laughs) 
That's very lovely this time of year. Out in the north of the country. Yeah, also everyone in this movie is some variation of Irish. Yeah, I think the... Or British. Yeah, I was going to say, because Beverly is our consumptive lady, and her family is very, like... Londoners. London British. Mm -hmm. And then him and uh, Russell Crowe are very Irish. Yes. All right, so yeah, uh, we meet her, and she has a big speech about light and blah, blah, blah. Then... Uh, as Colin Farrell's trying to leave on his horse in the, in the early morn of New York, he wants to go down to Maryland or Florida or someplace to get away from, uh, to get away from, from, uh, some, from per- Pearly, from Soapy. Uh, <laughs> why? <laughs> Cause it's stuck in my head. I'm sorry. Uh, but the horse won't leave and the horse is like insistently looking at a house, which for some reason, Peter Lake decides to deter <laughs> or interprets to mean you're right. Thanks horse for reminding me. I should go rob that house. Look, I I am a professional burglar, and I guess I should get one last score before we leave. Mm-hmm. Thanks, horse. Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> you you lovely, wonderful white horse what rescued me for reminding me to go burgle a house before we leave. I should probably also use their bathroom. Uh, so everyone in the house has gone up north for holiday uh, up to, I think, Peter Lake. Yeah, they go to Peter Lake. Actually, they go to a small town called, like, Coheries or something. Yeah, Coheries in Cambria. Yeah, yeah. They go, uh, this Because the word Coheries is going to show up a ton in this movie, and it, I guess it's worth mentioning. It's someplace north of Manhattan that no one goes to. And... Which, you know, that just means New York in general. <laughs> <laughs> so... He goes into the house, he tries to rob it, and lo and behold, there's there's Beverly playing Brahms, and he's this, like... This is so dumb. He manages to pick the safe, and then he hears someone playing piano in the other room, and his thought is, well, I'm snuck into their house. I should have the courtesy to go see who's playing piano in the other room instead of, you know... Fucking off. Leaving. Yeah, because he's like, oh, I've, I've picked the lock on this safe. I could just leave mm-hmm. someone is playing brahms loudly which means it would even cover my exit yeah but instead i'm gonna get my gun out and go see who's playing piano yeah now it turns out that beverly has not left for the the uh, for coheries with the rest of her family because they need to set up a special tent for her so that she can sleep outside in the snow the whole time yeah uh so she's gonna leave one day later instead uh, but he walks in with a gun, and for some reason, he's moving towards her still. Well, yeah, because he is enchanted by her and mm. her music. Yes. So instead of fucking off, he moves forward and a board creaks, and they have an exchange of like, oh, hello. Yes, hi. Uh, you're a uh, squeaks. Squeaks, he says. Squeaks. Because these two squeaks. Squeaks the mouse. It's my, it's my partner. <laughs> it's me. I'm, I'm Squeaks the mouse. Squeaks Lake. I didn't know if you knew this, but this uh, this movie's about magical things. Mm-hmm. I've got Squeaks the mouse and he well, talks. A lot of their relationship is built on just saying whatever they're think- like whatever one word they are currently thinking at each other, and it seems to work just fine for both of them. Yeah. They're dumb, is what I'm saying. <laughs> so they have a conversation of like, oh, what are you doing here? Oh, well, I was going to rob you. Oh, well, are you still planning to? No, not anymore. Yeah, because he comes up and he's like, squeaks. And she's like, squeaks? And he goes, aye, squeaks. And then she's like, gun. And he goes, eh, gun. Puts it away. <laughs> Rob? No. T? Aye. And that's, <laughs> it's okay, great, guys. Uh, So, yes, they uh, fall madly in love with each other because... I don't know, that's how the movie works. Oh, it's because they have madly in love hair. Yeah, they have mad about you hair. Yeah, they have. He really gets that Paul Reiser vibe going. <laughs> right, right away. 
Yeah, they, they fall in love immediately. She's enchanted by his tale when she asks him where he's from of having... Well, yeah, he's a he's a uh, boy from the streets who's all rough and tumble while she's been protected her whole life. Whereas for him, she is this delicate, beautiful thing that needs to be taken care of. Mm-hmm. And they both fall instantly in love with the idea of the other person. <laughs> that, yep, that's very true. Uh, but so she's like, well... I have to leave, or, or he goes, okay, I have to get out of the town for a couple of months. Can I come and see you again when I'm done? And she's like, well, no, I'll definitely be dead. Yeah, we, I, already, we already had this conversation. Like, I was given six months to live eight months ago, so probably not? No, I'm sure I'll be dead. Thank you, though. I'm probably going to die on this trip I'm taking, so, you know, bye. <laughs> Please don't steal anything on the way out. <laughs> uh, yep. I like the introduction where, where he's like, what's wrong with you? And she goes, oh, well... I have consumption. I'm 21, and I've never been kissed on the mouth. I mean, on the mouth is what I'm saying. I, Wink. She huh? mentions the mouth. Yeah. I, mean, I guess it's because she's received tender kisses on the forehead. Oh, she's in, received in some tender kisses, if you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, yeah. Conolingus is what I am talking about. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the most tender of kisses. The most tender of kisses. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I've got to use it like that now. Excuse me, can I give you the most tender of kisses? <laughs> I think it'll work. <laughs> I, I think that'll work for you, dude. I, I think that'll I, work for me. I see that working. <laughs> you know, dude, I think it'll work. It won't work for me because I'm not sincere enough. In my, You're definitely my, not. I'm too, I'm too conniving. <laughs> You'd be like, yo, let me give you some tender kisses on that vagina. <laughs> That's not conniving. That's exceedingly direct. I know. Connivingly <laughs> so. <laughs> I'd be like, let me give you the least tender of kisses. <laughs> That's on the booty hole. <laughs> anyway, I don't know why we're having this conversation. Uh, so he leaves, but now he can't bring himself to leave New York. He's just so in love with this woman. So he goes to see his old Native American oyster catcher. Adoptive adop- father. Father figure uh, who does not... As far as I know, we even get a name. He's just like, ah, yeah, what's up with you? Yeah, you know, we found you in a little boat, and since then, you've grown up. And uh, did you know that there's a Native American spirit that's a dog that sometimes looks like a horse? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right, see ya. Anyway, that's me. He's like, hey, I'm really in love with a woman. And, and the guy's like, yeah, some white woman, long red hair. Uh-huh. Yeah, great. I'm not going to be part of this story. I can already tell. <laughs> yeah, hey, great. Okay, why don't you go take care of that? I do like his one line. My people have 10 songs. <laughs> <laughs> My people have 10 songs. However, the studio wants 12, so we got to come up with two more. <laughs> My people have 10 songs, but the album's not long enough yet. <laughs> uh, I'm thinking of doing a cover. <laughs> do you have... Any ideas? <laughs> well, it's 1915, so I don't know. Uh, chicken in the basement, do-fi dumb. <laughs> chicken in the basement. <laughs> you know, old turkey in the wheat fields. <laughs> this horse is a mayor. <laughs> Let's sing the song Rooster in the Attic for him. And a one, and a two. And a... Rooster in the attic, a do-fi D. <laughs> Rooster in the attic, I know, I know, it's serious. There's a rooster in the attic, and I sure do love you, Marie. Anyway, he's like, yeah, my advice to you is, whatever, go see this girl. Uh, Yeah, just go back, dummy. You're an idiot. Obviously, you're going to go back to her. Anyway, bye. Meanwhile, we meet with, at some point in here, we meet with... Uh, Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe. 
soapy dopey, uh, pearly, <laughs> pearly Soames. Pearly goes to some restaurant. Oh, we, well, first he's in his office where he has a long speech about light. Yeah, he, everyone has a lot of shit that has to do with light in this. Well, it turns out he's just collecting all the gems of New York. He has big piles of New York-style gems. Because it lets him do magic. Yeah, because when he lights them up with moonlight, they, they form things, and he's like, aha, he's over here, and that kind of thing. That happens a lot. Uh, but yeah, he goes to some restaurant. And gets a whole bunch of oysters and whatever, and at some point at the end of the meal, he's having some monologue about, like, Light and angels and stars. All and these bullshit. stupid humans want to go up and get their wings. They want to go up and be good and be angels. All these people think they're well, going to be. We'll never be there. That's not for us. We're, we know where we belong. And then <laughs> the waiter's like, hey, is there anything else I can get you? And he wants a South African hawk owl? Yeah, he wants a South African spotted eagle owl, and he wants it butterflied, fricasseed. Cut off the feet and the beak, a little bit of parsley on some side potatoes, thank you. Yeah, and uh, he's like, we don't have owl, and so then his face rips apart and he cuts his the neck of the waiter. Yeah, he, he turns briefly into a, a bleedy demon, murders the, murders the waiter, and then takes some of the waiter's blood and draws a picture of the Vidal Sassoon logo. <laughs> Uh, and he's, and like, he's like, find this girl. Find this girl. And they're like, that's clearly just blood smears. That's a that's a smear of blood that almost looks like half of a, like a yin-yang. I don't know what you're trying to get <laughs> me to do here. Find this girl. Get on the plane. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, that's just a model. I said get in. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's great, though, because apparently he makes enough of these blood drawings that goons all around town have them. I could have figured, I would have figured that that was someone took notes. Like, they just got out pencils and were like, yeah, okay, it looks like this. Because I can't imagine that was more blood <laughs> that dude was walking around with. But it, the funny thing is, for a shitty drawing of, of you know, of the Vidal Sassoon logo, it works immediately. Oh, yeah. There's some driver for Beverly that, like, she's coming out of the house and he looks down, sees that he has a drawing of someone with red hair, and he's like, well, this is obviously it. All right, I should call in Pearly. All right, I found her, I found her boss, the only red-haired person in New York. Yep, Wait, that's it, right. Isn't our city completely full of Irish people right now? Oh, no, 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 And I'm sorry, but uh, our guy is like a weird thief, and he's trying to stay in the underground. Wouldn't say uh, it'd be more likely that, say, a lower-class person with red hair would... No, 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 no. Haven't you read any of these stories? I'm just saying that clearly the makeup of New York in 1895 would be like half Irish and half Dutch people. There's going to be redheads So yeah, Just find the first one. I guess Pearlie's like, well, no one else told me they found a redhead, so this has to be it. And then he goes down there and he gives her a speech. Yeah, instead of just murdering her, mm -hmm. which he's going to do, he's like, oh, let me tell you that uh, the guy you met, Jack, like, he... I adopted him. He, I'm the one who taught him to be what he is today, and oh, he's good at it. Oh, he used to be so good at being bad, but then he got ideas, and the ideas made him good instead of bad, and he, I like bad, not good. He realized he could steal rings without cutting off a finger. But the harm is the point. Yeah, I'm a, a demon. If you if you can't tell, mm -hmm. I'm a demon. Yeah. Uh, so he pulls out a big old Bowie knife, and he's getting ready to murder her with it, when all of a sudden, horse and man come <laughs> running in. Peter Lake comes in a horse, and it's he comes very in a horse. nasty. He comes in a horse. 
And it turns out the whole thing, he's been Loki the whole time. The oh, wait, whole oh, wait, time. Oh, wait. Loki was the, the Loki the, was the, the calm recipient in that situation. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm sorry. Who's the Loki in this relationship? <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's the new Twitter thing. <laughs> All right. Which, which one, you... one of you is the horse and which one of you is Loki? <laughs> yeah. Which one of you is the wall engineer's horse? <laughs> Because I think that's what the story is, right? It's some dude who's helping Odin build a wall. Yeah, and he's like, ah, you gotta get my horse's dick wet for some reason. That's what I'm into. <laughs> that's my thing. He was like, I'm not gonna help you anymore unless something good happens for me. And they're like, well, what if your horse gets some Chang Chang? Like, <laughs> yeah, good enough for me. Yeah. Anyway, he rides by on the horse that's a dog that flies, and... I want to make this clear. They keep saying this horse is actually a dog. This horse is never a dog. In this. There's not a single shot of this horse being a dog. Yeah, there's because there's a point where Russell Crowe's in his office and he's like, oh, he's, he's got the help of that dog. I thought we were looking for a horse. It is a horse. But you said it was a dog. It's a dog, but it's a horse. <laughs> Do I look like the kind of man who doesn't know what he's talking about in regards to dogs and horses? And then also his adopted father, who's like, ah, yes. The spirit of the east wind, the dog, the white dog that's also sometimes a horse, but is a dog. Anyway, it'll never be a dog. It's always a horse. It's always a horse. I don't know why we keep saying dog. You think they could have just skipped that and been like, there's a story among my people about a, do a horse that's a horse. A horse <laughs> that is white, and it's a horse, instead of continually us saying something about a dog, and it never being a dog. I'm so disappointed. Yeah, because John loves dogs and would have loved to see a dog. Yeah, and, and then you hate up... horses and don't want to see a horse. Yeah, and if you were to see a dog, you'd pick it up to admire it, obviously, and then it would turn into Loki and stab you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so, <laughs> so, so yes, they he, escape. He, he rides by and picks her up, and they escape into the woods, and then they get to a cliff, and the horse sprouts light wings and flies off into the distance. Yeah, it flies them all the way to Coheres, you know, upstate New York. Yeah, and they can't follow him there. No, well, actually, they, they literally can't because we cut to a scene of, uh, this is a great moment. This is when Russell Crowe or, or, wants you know, to Pearly, go see the judge. He wants to go see a guy called the judge because that's he needs to speak to the judge before he can leave town. So we see him walk into like a dark room with a bunch of water reflections on the walls. And it turns out the judge is Will Smith. Yeah. And he's just like, hey, man, what's up? What's up? What up <laughs> hey, dude? I'm Will Smith. I'm, I'm Will Smith. What can I do for you? Will Smith is in this movie for two scenes for about a minute each time. And he is Satan. That's right. The only other black man in this movie is Lucifer. Uh-huh. <laughs> <sighs> And apparently Pearly has been barred from leaving the city. Well, it's not his job. His purview is that he is the demon of the five boroughs. Well, yes, but also he says the last time you left, you made a big mess of things, so you're still barred from leaving. That's true. He did something horrible a few a, a while back. One wonders what that might have been. Maybe well, he, he just messed something up. He might have caused the Civil War or something. Well, no, that would be good. That's true. He might have stopped the Civil War or something. Yeah. No, the, the whole thing is you went and you thought you were going to do something and you fucked it up, so, yeah, so you're I'm not going to let you out. Yeah, and he's like, okay, well, like, uh, I, I would like, there, there's a whole thing he has to, like, swear to him at this point. Yeah, he's like, oh, oh he has to make the official request. Yeah, I That's request what it was. that, you know, I, I go and I'll, I'll just, I've got to kill this woman, and because I think 
this human is close to using his miracle because apparently every human has a miracle mm-hmm. and his is apparently going to save this lady. And I guess using a miracle can only be done for something big. So he's like, oh, she'll probably turn out to be someone amazing and great that'll tip the balance towards good if I don't kill her. Mm-hmm. But Will Smith is just like, no, fuck no. off. Well, he mostly he's like, I think you're really personally attached to this one yeah. because you raised the boy really, really close. I think you're just doing revenge shit, and that's not useful to my cause. So we no. don't. When it comes to miracles, it's very hard to pin down what an actual thing will be. And then you might think you know what it is, but you're probably an idiot. Yeah. And then Pearlie's like, but we're running out of time, and that sets. We off. have to do it now. Yeah. Now, don't talk to me about now. And then he gets all Satan-y where he's like, now I'm flying and. My wings are soaring over all of these mortals, and now I'm eating a peasant, and now I'm birding in a lake, and now I'm still enjoying the good grace of 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 the father. Because <laughs> yeah. he just runs through all this, and at the very end, he gets one little CGI moment where he opens his mouth extra wide, and there's sharky, sharp teeth in there. Yeah, he gets he gets a CGI spooky <laughs> face for one little second, and you're like great that did not look as good as you were hoping you really should have just let it be will smith he was doing fine this little speech was very good until you made him cgi a shark mouth he did a good he did a great job and he would have it would have been way better if he had just been will smith the whole time honestly there was the the whole thing with that scene is that it was shot such that will smith's shadow was on the wall behind him yes and eventually the shadow gets replaced with just flames just like shadows of flames it would have been better if they had just had wings and a horn and and horns sprout on the shadow in that shot than the CGI shark mouth. Yeah. The shark mouth thing was real bad. Yeah. Anyway, he's like, no, you can't go. You're barred from going. Yeah. So. So Soapy gets mad, but he puts up with this because he has to do whatever <laughs> Satan tells him to. Yeah, he's Soapy now. Fuck off. <laughs> I really don't mean to do that. I'm just, it's Soapy's in my head now. Uh, Pearly is told no, and he's like, fine, I have to abide by the by the orders of Satan. Yeah, and apparently someone else is like, oh, the... When he gets to the Coheries, does Peter Lake mm-hmm. is like, oh, someone once said that nothing happens here that isn't supposed to happen, and I guess it's like mystically protected or some shit. I don't know if it's that or if it's just. I mean, isn't that true of everywhere? How many things happen on a daily basis that aren't supposed to happen? Well, that's their whole job. Yeah, is to make sure that like things that would tip the scale towards good don't happen. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, do you think that? Uh, well, that's a lot of predetermination junk that I don't want to talk about right now. Yeah, well, given that he has a job and is doing things, mm-hmm. I'd be like, no, of course there's no predetermination. He's stopping shit from happening. Yeah. All right, so so yeah, Coheries is the place where everything that's supposed to happen happens. There's a big mansion and... And Undiyat. And the lake is frozen over. That Peter Lake is completely frozen. <laughs> but will warm his heart with a cool island song. <laughs> uh, so right away, we... Willa, the nice little sister, is like, are you her boyfriend? And he's like, well, it's 1915. We haven't started talking like that yet. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think you understand what you're doing here. (laughs) I'm her husband to be. (laughs) That's all there is. There's either no acquaintance or husband and wife. Yeah. Uh, and, And, you know, he's welcomed into the house because he effectively rescued her and brought her out here. But the first thing that happens is he has to go have a meeting with her dad, William, William Hurt. Who is? I, I really like this scene because he's William William Hurt's character in this is like some sort of newspaper man. Yeah, Isaac Penn, and he is exceedingly blunt and direct, and it's a great, it's a pretty good scene. Yeah, and he's just like, look, tell me in like the fewest words possible, completely direct. Don't explain. 
Don't prevaricate. Mm-hmm. Just go ahead and, just, and stop talking the moment anyone else walks in. Yeah. If anybody comes in here, shut up. Mm-hmm. But what I need is for you to just tell me these things. Who are you? What are you doing here? What are your intentions? What are your desires? Mm-hmm. And he's just like, all right. Uh, unnecessary. Okay. Well, uh, unnecessary. unnecessary. Motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Let me start talking. Unnecessary. So he's like. My name's Peter Lake. Uh, I'm I from, am a criminal. I am a criminal. Because the first thing he says is, you'll forgive me for saying... Actually, the first thing is a long discussion about how to pronounce fillet and claret. Yes. Uh, so he's teaching him some proper British pronunciations. But then he's like, look, if you don't mind me saying so, you look like a crook. And he's like, yep, I am a crook. I am a crook. My intention... I love your daughter. I love your daughter. I don't have any intentions. But I desire her. Yes. And uh, the guy's like, okay, well, those are all very straightforward answers. So you want some claret? <laughs> Let's have some claret. Also, she sleeps in a tent on the top of the house. You do not. <laughs> very good, sir. No sleeping. <laughs> Boning only, I see. Mm-hmm. Mm, very good, old man. Mm-hmm. I definitely would not want to sleep out there because I don't have consumption. I would definitely die. <laughs> so would she. Consumption doesn't work this way. <laughs> it's not just some magic fever that you have to sit in snow for. You can't just refrigerate sick, sick people. I'll be fair. She has magic consumption because there are also scenes in this this movie where she like walks through snow and it like melts around her. Oh yeah, there's a scene where Peter and her go walking in the snow and like, oh, it's not working because as she steps in snow, it just melts around her. And then he teaches her like a breathing technique to slow her heart down. Yeah. And she's like, oh, it worked. And then it looks back down at her feet and the snow begins regrowing around her feet. <laughs> not like falling, but just regrowing where it was. Yeah. She froze that snow with a hot island song. Yeah. I just <laughs> fucking. Uh, uh, so, yeah. Uh, so now they're now everyone's friends and she she has a bunch of things. She's like, oh, I've never gone to a dance. My father says it would literally kill me. Ah, that's bullshit. So they go to a fancy dancy. Uh, also, he saves the house when the boiler's fucked up. Oh, yeah, the boiler's fucked up, and we learn an important thing about Peter Lake, uh, which is that he has an affinity with machines. Yeah, he's got a knack for machines. Mm-hmm. So whether it was cracking safes or fixing boilers, anything that's a machine, he can he can fix it, because yeah, he he's can, just got a magical knack. You got it. He can crack safes, and he can safe cracks. <laughs> Ah, yes, good. Keep my crack safe. I don't know, refrigerated or something. That's I, what you people do. I have made this crack safe. <laughs> Sanctuary. Uh, yeah, so he helps him fix the, fix, or he helps William Hurt fix the boiler, and Hurt's like, I'm going to hug you because I love this house. <laughs> this house is great. Yeah. Because it belonged to my dead wife who picked everything in the house. Mm-hmm. So this whole house is basically the only thing of my wife I have left. Yes. Uh, so th- then they go to the dance, and the dance is very nice. And, uh, Unfortunately, oh, there's an evil angel there. Pearly had an angel that owed him a debt, mm-hmm. an and angel who had rejected his uh, his uh, angelness and chosen to walk among mortals. Well, as far as I can tell, they're like that's just what angels are now. Mm-hmm. I guess I, I, well, that seems to be what Cecil is too. I uh, probably I don't know, but, but anyway, yeah, he's like, you owe me one, and you know the rules that debts have to be paid. So you're gonna take this and you're gonna slip it to this person, and don't worry, all it'll do is raise their heart rate a little. They'd have to be very excited for that to do anything wrong. And yep. so he does indeed slip her this thing in the drink, and then 
Later that night, they go to Bone Town. Yes, they bone down, and they do that kind of romance movie boning where it's just... Where nobody moves. Where it's just all holding perfectly still and kissing. Yep, it's just static bodies on top of each other kissing. It's the traditional British fuck. (laughs) Yeah. Almost. 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 (laughs) Ah, there we are. (laughs) Well done. (laughs) Ah. And, yes, uh, once they can consummate their love, Mm -hmm. she does, in fact, perish. She dies with one more of those weird non-sequiturs that the two of them have as their relationship thing, where she goes, places. And he's like- Places we go. Places? What are you talking about? She goes, places we've been. And then she dies. And dies. Mm -hmm. Now, it's also important to note, at this point, uh, the little sister had made a princess bed, Mm -hmm. which is basically a bed in a greenhouse garden. Yes. And she's like, oh, this is a magical princess bed, and I once got told Snow White, so if you take her here and kiss her here, it'll cure her. And he tries that, and it doesn't. She dies. No. Yeah. Sad, Sad times, indeed. And then we cut right from that to the funeral. Yeah. Uh, And in the funeral, uh, he has chosen to not attend the funeral, but instead to stand very far away from it. He's standing far enough away that you can still see him, but where he isn't a part of it. This is a point in the movie where I I actually said something for the first time in several minutes. That's an asshole move that people do in movies, and I do not care for it. Yeah, because as you said, when you do that, you've now made it about you. Yeah, exactly. Either attend the funeral... Or do not. And if you are not invited, don't show up and hide and hang out in full view of everyone. Yeah. If you're the person who's like, oh, I'm hanging out like 10 rows down, just watching from behind a tree. I'm mm-hmm. like, you're an asshole. That's every movie funeral, though, is always like there's a person way off in the distance and then other people walk up and talk to them. Yes. And they're just like, ah, are we ready to go fight Ultron now or whatever? And it's always at the 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 far outskirts of a funeral. Ugh. So, yes. Uh, oh, and Willow walks up and gives him some baby's breath. Yeah. Like the love flower, I know in this in this movie it could have been either. But could, like I brought you the actual breath of a baby. Here you go, I wrapped it up in twine. It's connected to the lights. Ah, here it is in this light bulb where the lights and the breath will mix together into a star of miracles. <laughs> when an angel gets his dick. <laughs> so Ah, thanks for boning my sister to death. Yeah, thanks for fucking my sister to death. Here's some flowers and a little bit of, like, her bow from when she was wearing a red dress. Mm -hmm. And he wraps those things together and they become a magic talisman that's going to matter later. Yeah, because Uh, he's going to get pushed off of a bridge by Pearlie and his boys. Yeah, he goes back to New York uh, because he doesn't have a choice, I guess. Uh, And Pearlie corners him. He scares off the horse. And headbutts uh, our our Peter our man, Lake our Peter into Lake the lake for, until he falls in the lake, and then, and then Pearlie's like, "Good enough." I, that almost that definitely, that surely would kill him. If there's anything that kills people, it's falls into water where you can't see them down there. Yep, that'll do it. Uh huh. Peter comes crawling out, of course, and at this point, he's a magic immortal. Yeah, he. It, we even get it spoken out loud later in the film. Yes, uh, someone, by someone, Lucifer. Lucifer, who's like, You're an idiot. Remember when I told you that miracles are weird mm-hmm. and you don't always know what's happening? That woman made him love her so much that he can't die now. He was her miracle. You were so focused on his miracle, you didn't think about her. Yeah. And so, he's immortal now because he loved... Oh, but he's a lady lost. so much over the past week. But he's lost his memory, and he spends a hundred years with no memory. Just sitting on streets and painting the same picture of a redhead. Yeah, the same Vidal Sassoon logo with a little bit of red in it. Yeah. Uh, over and over. And he never, I, there's no 
explanation of how he's living or whatever. He seems to have a house. Yeah, no, at one point he walks into a house that has like a suit in it. Mm-hmm. And he digs that that talisman thing out of the suit. There's the baby breath and twine. It was in the suit. Yeah, and I'm just like, is this your house? What is this? Because he doesn't even know what his name is. Yeah. So I assume he's just been living on the streets, but also can just go into a house with a suit that has this. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Don't and, worry about it. And then he's walking in the Central Park, and we see Cecil, and he's like, all right, it's time to give you your change. And he flips the coin that he would have given, and it shines light into his face and into the face of a little girl. So they bump into each other, and now the little girl is basically like Willa was the for Beverly's little sister, but he, it's... She, they, they do a similar hand uh, gesture. That, he, picks, he picks her up and... Before, there was a scene where she's like, oh, am I light or heavy? You're mm-hmm. light as a feather, and they do the same thing here. Yeah, so this new Willa is like, I'm Abby. Who are you? you know, no, she's, I don't know, the innocence but I do live by Peter Lake. <laughs> I have no idea who I am. My name is Peter Lake. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who I am, but you can call me Peter Lake. It seems appropriate. Uh, and then her mom shows up, and her mom is uh, Jennifer Connelly. Yeah, Connelly Jennifer uh, has shown up, and... and you know, we're getting that the Abby, the daughter, is doing the whole like innocence of children thing, where she's talking to an obvious crazy person. Yeah, but uh, but but the mom is like, oh come on now, let's let's leave this weird crazy person to his weird crazy personitude. But ooh, their path will cross again when he starts trying to find out anything because he has a memory about he gets the central uh, the grand central station memory and he's like well i have to go up there then and he goes he goes there and he digs out an old lockbox that he has hidden for a hundred years in a room with a bed in it that he was apparently sleeping in in the rafters of grand central station uh and he finds the the thing that's his old city of justice tag yeah and he's like ah my name must be city of justice i'm city of justice (laughs) that's me and I've been sent here to save the people. <laughs> so uh, he sees a statue of Isaac Penn at one point mm-hmm. uh, outside the theater of the Coheries. So he goes to a place where he's like, hey, this library. Well, don't forget there's a moment where he writes his name in a question mark on a dirty mirror. Yeah, in the he gra- goes to a mirror and writes Peter Loki. <laughs> he writes Peter Loke. <laughs> he just, but, but he's like, am I Peter Lake? Hello, I'm Peter Lake. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds like I've said that a million times so far this movie. Yeah, uh, but so, no, yeah, he, he goes, goes to, to some a, library. Goes to a library. He wants to look at any information about Isaac Penn or the Coheries, and they're like, "Yes, we have that, but it'll take two forms of identification in several weeks, and then maybe we'll let you back there." And Jennifer Connelly's there, and she's like, "Fuck you! I'm a reporter. Let him back here." Oh, very good. And then they go to the microfiche machine. There's a number of bits of confusion here because he he thinks that the guy is saying a microfish. That microfish. A mi- that if you have enough microfish, you can read the story of this thing. Anyway, he gets back there and fixes the machine because he's good with machines. He's a knack for machines. He fixes a machine that is very clearly not a microfiche machine. And then we see a bunch of pictures and... Uh, it jogs all of his memory, and Jennifer Connelly sees a picture of him a hundred years ago with Beverly, and is like, "The fuck? That can't be right." And he goes, "I, I have a touch of the vampire in me." <laughs> That's right. I'm a little bit vampire on my father's side. <laughs> my grandfather was vampire. <laughs> my granddad was Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only vampire. <laughs> the Irish vampire, Dracula. Oh, I'm Dracula. <laughs> yes, but. 
So, but I, so she's pretty on board with it, though, because because he's she like she doesn't seem to care. No, all that no, what this this universe is pretty magical. Everyone's pretty on board with magic right away. Because the weird thing is, everyone is astonished that it exists, mm-hmm. but then is completely on board the second they see it. Yeah, they, they're all basically what's his name, Jacob from the Fantastic Beasts movies. It's just like there's magic, rad. <laughs> yeah, because like when he jumps off the cliff with Beverly the first time, she's like, "Oh my god, a flying horse! That's great." Anyway, I'll never mention that again, and that won't become an obsession of mine. Well, I mean. In her case, she doesn't. She doesn't have time to worry about that. She's too busy trying to bone down an Irish guy. It's true. Yeah, I'm trying to get fucked to death here. Come on. <laughs> and again, with this, Jennifer Connelly sees that this man is a hundred years old and has never aged, and it's like, oh, cool. Uh, so the Willa's still alive. You want to go see her? Yeah, because because he's like, oh, they're all dead. Everyone from the family that I met for like two days one time a hundred years ago is dead. And she's like, oh no, not all of them. Yeah, and so Willa's. I guess like 110 and something now. She's like 110 years old. But still running like a newspaper? Yeah, she's the editor of the New York Sun. And and they go in to see her and they're arguing with the receptionist who's like, you don't have an appointment to meet her. And then Willow walks in, this old lady, and she's having the most trite, like, I'm important now, one-off line conversation with these two dudes. Thank you, ambassadors. I'm glad we were able to come to this agreement, ambassadors. <laughs> I will accept the Nobel Prize for Nobel Prize having. Oh, Peter. <laughs> Peter Lake. That's me. I'm Peter Lake. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then she wants a milkshake for lunch with whipped cream. So, yes. But then she basically... The, Willa is more on board with magic than anyone else in the movie. She's oh, just yeah. like, "Oh yeah, it's you. You're back. Oh, come Great. give me a hug. Let's go to let's go to my house real quick, and I'll I'll give the same basic speech about angels and light and hey, destiny. You know, I think I found the star that is Beverly. I think she's hiding out in Orion's belt because I'm 100 percent on board with the whole everyone turns into stars. Also, Orion's belt is definitely not a place where anyone would look for new stars and be surprised by their appearance. Yeah, that would, that's definitely a place you could hide not, a new star. Certainly no one is ever looking for the most prominent North American constellation. <laughs> uh, uh, but, but anyway, uh, yeah, she, she gives this. She's like, well, this is definitely Peter Lake, and he needs to do some other miracle. I get the impression that her miracle was to keep him alive all this time, and he needs to do his own miracle. And I have to say all these lines because the movie was cut. <laughs> this We got cut for time a lot. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you've got a miracle. She had a miracle. You're all miracles. This is definitely a reshoot. Get everyone, out of my house. Everyone, everyone leave. <laughs> I'm never going to see you again, are you? Oh, no, never again. Please leave. I'm out of this movie. Goodbye. (laughs) Uh. I like the part where she's like, I think, hey, you know, if you want to come on back in, I'm technically still the younger sister. (laughs) (laughs) One, ooh. Uh, so Jennifer Connelly also tries her hand at banging this fine fella. She's like, hey, I got a turkey at my house if you like chicken. I got a chicken at my house if you like chicken. And I don't have a chicken at my house if you don't like chicken. <laughs> it's just like, hey, you want to come over? And he's like, no, nah, I got to figure out what my miracle is. I got to go do some stuff. And then we go cut to her making a <laughs> chicken. And no, he's just over there again. I got to do some soulful wandering around. Uh, we also find out that Pearly like wakes up and sees light reflecting in gems and is like, oh, that son of a bitch, he's still alive. I did. I, I was confused by the fact that that pearly had a not dead lady in his bed yeah he just had some lady he yeah. was fucking and yeah. he's like oh that son of a bitch yeah uh so he he immediately goes to petition satan for permission to ki- no no wait that doesn't happen yet nope uh first he just goes to try and catch them again i mean he's just gone over to their house 
uh, has has uh, Peter Lake. He's gone to Jennifer Connelly's house. He's like, hey, let me in. I have no I'm reason. here for your chicken. I'm here for some chicken. Uh, and, and he meets the little girl and sees that she has cancer and is like, oh, no, something's wrong with her. And then she has a little girl. She has a Caesar and passes she out. She has a Caesar salad. She has a Caesar salad. And passes out. And then she passes out. And when she passes out, she passes out in the form of the drawing that he's been doing over and over again for the past hundred years yeah it tur- turns out that red thing wasn't the red hair of beverly but the red scarf on the head of abby and she's the one that his miracle is for and he's he Im- gonna cure cancer he recognizes this immediately and he's like oh jennifer Connolly, there's gonna be bad guys coming after me and i need to cure your daughter of cancer we have to go to the roof and ride a magic horse and she's like that's okay. crazy but okay <laughs> thing is doesn't even say that i was just like uh we need to go and in saying that they go upstairs Up, yeah. i'm like do you have a helicopter there what does jennifer Connolly think you're doing i right love that now? you were like do you have a hel- do you have a helicopter on the roof and i was like there's no way it's not just that magic dog horse <laughs> the, the dog horse is on the roof obviously sure- the dog horse is on the roof and they get up there and sure enough here's the dog horse and then they go magic flying through town yeah they go fly through the city of new york and over to the Coheri's place mm-hmm. and then finally does uh does russell crowe go to petition satan for permission to leave new york he's like hey i want to kill this guy but it turns out he's miracled into being immortal so i want your permission to get the power to kill him and he's like all right but old school rules apply if you're gonna fight him and you want him to die you have to be able to die too so basically you're both gonna fight each other as mortals if you do this yeah and he's like well good great fucking do it let's do it and he's like all right well you have to do it officially do you want permission to become mortal long enough to go get in this fight i do reconsider (laughs) satan no i won't okay well then you're mortal get out of here and and uh He's like, hey, watch out for the starlight. Watch out for starlight. And, and I like this because Russell Crowe's like, what do you care? And Satan has a really good line here where he's like, yeah, you get used to people. Yeah. He's just like, uh, yeah, I, I'm used to you being here. So, yeah, eh. it's a good it's a good Lucifer line. I was I was a fan of that. Yeah. Uh, so they're up there at Coheri's being being all like looking at the place. Colin Farrell spends a lot of this movie being terrified and in a big hurry, but standing and just staring at things. Yes, indeed. Yeah. They're like, oh, this child, I've got to go save her. No, we should probably stand on this ice lake and look at this dilapidated mansion for an hour. Yeah, that's that seems about right, right? And you go on ahead, and I'll just stand here and look at it soulfully. Uh, yeah, that's... So that's... then some cars show up with some goons and Russell Crowe, and he's like, hey... We're going to kill you, and there's like 12 of us and one of you. Mm-hmm. And then Magic Horse breaks the ice and kills everyone except for Russell Crowe. It's a great moment. He's like, hey, look, this isn't going to happen. That lady has no destiny because I'm going to kill her, and I'm going to kill you, and I'm probably going to kill that other lady, and who cares? What are you going to do about it? Uh, and, and it turns out they have a good old-fashioned fisty fight. Yeah, they fist a cuff around, and then, oh, wouldn't you know it, something shines in the snow and briefly blinds Russell Crowe, and... He didn't look out for that starlight, and it turns out he gets stabbed in the neck, and what he was stabbed with was City of Justice. He got stabbed with It's all connected. Everything's connected forever. Except for the blanket. The blanket never showed up again. <laughs> yeah, also the uh, the baby's breath charm. I was kind of hoping that they just he just like put it on like a like a brass knuckles and just punch <laughs> Russell Crowe with that. Like, yeah. It's it's uh the sadness of a little girl. You can't take that, can you, demon? Uh, and it's like a Constantine thing to do. The fight ends, and it turns out Abby is dead. So they run in and take her to the same 
I mean, the fight ends and Russell Crowe's character turns to snow and vanishes forever. Let's make, I want to make sure that, that that's oh, yes. known. I mean, it's it's fine. He gets stabbed and turns to snow. He, he dies the true death, according to Lucifer. I guess. Yeah. Sammy's dead. They have to go into the princess bed, and he tries once again to be like, okay. He puts her on a hundred-year-old mattress that's been sitting in frozen conditions on and off for a hundred years and is fine. Yeah, and he's just like, here we go. Everything's fine. Uh, this this is why I'm here. This is my, my whole thing. I'm going to kiss you on the forehead, and this ought to heal you. And then, oh, nothing happens, and we pull the camera back, and oh, has it oh, failed again? Everyone's so sad because it definitely didn't work. Mama? Oh, she's alive. Yay. Who could have guessed? Yay. Everyone wins. And then they, we do a spiral pan out because everyone's so happy that, that the little girl survives. And we get a moment where some angels are talking about if that little girl is even important or not and, and, it, and how it doesn't matter. No, man. It's just narration it's, of it's like. It's the narrator, right? Oh. It's just Willa again because she's the one who's been doing the narrations. Uh, it's just like, oh, if you think that. Sometimes the world and the universe loves a thing. Maybe it's not because you're important, but maybe it loves everyone equally. And hey, if you thought that the message of this was that everyone has a miracle and, and that this little girl got saved from cancer because someone loved her enough, maybe you don't love your kid that has cancer enough and that's why they died. Mm -hmm. Hi, I'm Winter's Tale. Fuck you. <laughs> if your kid has cancer and you don't find a magic immortal Irish dude, it means the universe says fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think the one thing we skipped over that I really enjoyed was when Russell Crowe corners uh, uh, Colin Farrell on his return to New York and is like, hey, I killed your, your uh, girlfriend. What did you think she was even going to do? What was so special about her? Did you think she was going to convert a bunch of people? Was she the great grandmother of the first man on Mars? Not now, fucker. It's a good little speech. Yeah. That's yeah, good. Anyway, at this point, Russell Crowe goes back to the funeral. Or not Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe is quite dead. Yeah, Russell Crowe is very dead. Peter Lake goes back to the, uh, the graveyard uh, where Beverly. Uh, Beverly died and then gets on the horse dog and flies off into space to become a star. Right next to her star. Great. Be because they were in love for one day a couple of, uh, a, <laughs> a century there, ago. There was definitely at least a couple day period where they were really into each other and boned down. It's it's the same thing as the ending of the Titanic where, where uh, you see Rose being all like, I'm going to throw this jewel to the ocean because I loved a guy on a boat for a day. I had you an entire other life and children and I someone I loved, but... Ooh, no one fucked me like Leo. When I get back to heaven, I hope it's him and not my shitty old husband. Oh, that guy was great and all, but oh, he didn't have floppy hair. <laughs> 1915 flop hair. Oh, wait, 1912, I forgot. Ugh. So yeah, there you go. Movie ends on a sepia tone picture of Beverly and Peter. Yeah, together at last, and oh, they're on a horse. Whoa. Oh, how romantic. They're on a dog? <laughs> Riding a dog. The uh, two of them are on a weird little dog. It's sad. <laughs> it's not okay. Okay, so that's Winter's Tale. That's the Winter's Tale. A it Winter's is tale. a weird nonsense mess where, like Jeff was saying, I feel like a lot of this got cut out because you essentially have the... 1910s and the 2010s story but the 2010s story feels like they were just like oh shit we ran out of time yeah, snap, Let's snap, just snap. yeah <laughs> just gotta hustle all the, right the, yeah the, there's a kid and it, it's your miracle anyway go 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 the, go, go the first person he meets the miracle you have to do and then you're gonna her mom's gonna fall in love with you but that's not gonna go anywhere because we don't have time for it too snap 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 we're gonna go to this house this house two libraries and then you're gonna you're gonna get in a fight on a lake and then you're gonna die the end yeah the <laughs> movie's uh got a little bit of a an issue with that 
<laughs> yeah. Plus, it's got a real a case of the everything is connected vibe that I'm, I'm never a fan of movies that try and pull that move. I mean, you're right. Signs is a good example. And honestly, that ending to Signs is kind of affecting. We're just like, wait a minute. There's classes of water everywhere. Yeah. The uh, <laughs> the thing is, for that to be effective, it has to be something like in Signs where you're like, we have focused on this and made it part of the narrative mm-hmm. such that we even question why it's part of the narrative and are left wondering with this, it was just like, oh, yeah, he's had that City, City of, of Justice. Justice thing. Yeah. And I guess he stabbed a guy with it. It's not like there was some deeper meaning to it. It just happened to be on him at the time. Yeah, he just had it. Uh, and, that, and that seems to be kind of the thing that happens a lot. Like, for example, he helps out that angel dude and with, by by tipping him. And then the angel shows up later and is like, and now your tip shall save you. Great. Okay. Sure. Uh-huh. Why not? Uh, all right. Let's get into the best and worst of this movie. Jeff, why don't you let me know what your favorite thing in this movie was? Oh, sure. Let me go ahead and take Will Smith's performance. So oh, sure. Can, let me go ahead and say soapy. <laughs> it's definitely how soapy everyone was. That one scene at the beginning where Jessica Rose Brown Findlay, or whatever her name is, uh, briefly got kind of topless. <laughs> no, it's, it's definitely the, uh, the the Will Smith performance of Satan is really good. He's affecting... Uh, he he's kind of wistful. The way that he plays it is good because he's just like, yeah. I at this point, it's pretty much just a job to him where he's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm trying to tip the scales, but also I'm playing the long game. And the idea that oh, just murder people is not what I do. That's not how you win. Yeah, yeah. I mean, part part of it's just that they always, a lot of people like to do that version of Satan where he's like, I don't murder people. I I want to give people a path to heaven that that God won't. Because God's like, you get one shot. And I'm like, no, I want to give people a second one in hell. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, I, his performance was wistful, heartfelt, affecting. He was he was a good, interesting, legitimately imposing Satan. And I liked I liked his his work. Okay. So there you go. That was my favorite thing. What about you? Oh, I love the name Peter Lake. <laughs> <laughs> I like Just Peter love Lake. I love oh, visiting Peter Lake. Every time they went to scenic Peter Lake. <laughs> oh. Scenic Peter Lake. She has cancer, Peter Lake. I have Peter cancer, Peter. <laughs> Lake. Lake. <laughs> I have Lake of the Peter. <laughs> uh, now, I would say probably... God, I want to say, if I'm not doing Will Smith's bit in this... Ooh, best thing in this movie. Fuck. I, I mean, ultimately, I do kind of appreciate Russell Crowe's performance as well. I mean... Eh. If I'm, if I'm going to say anything i'm gonna say that the (laughs) the fact that he just fucks someone to death and they stay dead was good i like that they didn't really they just had him standing far away at the funeral and i really wanted a scene of of the of the william hurt character just shaking his fist at him like like who fucked my daughter you fucked my daughter to death how dare you come to her funeral yeah, I love that that just ne- never went anywhere. Yeah. No one was like, hey, why did you bone my daughter to death? <laughs> He's like, I didn't even move her. We held perfectly still. I wasn't even inside her. We just <laughs> laid there. It was all kissing. <laughs> and hand stuff. <laughs> and the tenderest kiss. The tenderest kiss. <laughs> Uh, no, I, uh, there's not a whole lot in this movie to love. Mm. I mean, there's some, some good scenic 
things that go on, but it's not even that this is a bad movie as much as it is just like, yep, that sure is happening. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's a baffling movie, and it was definitely a huge failure. Oh, yeah. Um, it's it, got like 16% on Rotten Tomatoes or something. Yeah, it did not go over well with critics. I think it's one of those movies where the critic score is higher than the uh, the audience because it's like sixteen percent audience, thirty two percent critic, or something like that. I don't know. It's uh, it's bad times. It was not a popular film. No. And boy, does it ever show. The movie is just sort of glossed over, and there's it, it's hard to see anything that stands out. And the big thing that stands out about the film, like I because I, I called it right away, is the awesome Will Smith cameo. He's not he's not even like on the box. No, they, they've hidden that Will Smith is in this movie. Ugh. So. Uh... You know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to also say Will Smith. He's basically the only good thing in this. It's a great moment. That I, catches it, your attention. Yeah. Well, among other things, when he's giving his big yelly speech about time, he's wearing a Jimi Hendrix shirt, and it's 1915. Yeah, and he, so, when we meet him, he's also lounging around reading A Brief History of Time from Stephen Hawking. Yeah, so so his timelessness is kind of cool. His whole speech about now, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, yeah, he has a weird godlike perspective on time Yeah. because- Russell Crowe is just, like, a demon. Yeah, he's a workaday demon. And, you know, Lucifer is Lucifer. Yeah. I mean, Demon of the Five Burrows, that's a big deal. There's a lot of people there, so he definitely is an important demon. Like, if you're the demon of Tempe, Arizona, then... It, I, 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 <laughs> uh, if you're the demon of Tempe, Tempe, Arizona, stop writing Penis Man on everything, would you? Come it's on. really bothering everybody. Come on! <laughs> Figure something better out. Penis Man? Really? Look it up. That's an actual news story. It's happening. <laughs> Look right now. it up. Yeah. Uh, anyway, the worst thing in this movie. For oh you. yeah, the worst thing. I'm gonna go with uh, all of the narration speeches that are just random woo about Ugh. angels and light and miracles. God, that shit's I, awful. It just turns me off. I just don't care about. If you do that, you're like, oh, by the way, this mo- this movie is gonna be one of those love is comics. Then then yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be as excited. Yeah. If if all you've got is just constant. Oh, light and angels and beauty and souls and miracles and magic, and it's all together uh, here in in this movie. And you're like, okay, great. You don't have anything to say. You just got generic crap. <laughs> yeah, yeah, completely. Uh, so, what about you? Uh, I want to say my least favorite thing in this is the horrible, like, eye of consumption trope. Oh, like God, the, yeah. I, especially, it hits all of them. I'm a fiery redhead mm-hmm. who's going to die of consumption, but I won't let that stop me, and I have something musical that I do. Like, all of these things are so <laughs> tropey, and I'm like, please stop. Paint me like one of your Moulin Rouge girls. Uh, get out. <laughs> Everyone out. <laughs> Nicole Kidman and Kate Winslet just also shuffling out. <laughs> Get gone. Yeah, it's. It didn't need to be that way, and it is, and I don't like the sick lit. Mm-hmm. That's. It's just a, a genre that I'm not into because it's very much like, oh, well, a man has to show up and help this helpless lady. This handsome man loves you so much that he doesn't mind that you're going to die soon. Yeah, he doesn't mind that you're beautiful and he gets to bone you and then not deal with it later. Yeah. Oh my god, it's such a stupid thing. It's the worst. Plus, you know those three dudes are going to end up together someday. There's there's, there's just a big naked pile of Colin Farrell's and Leonardo DiCaprio's and Ewan McGregor's. <laughs> just, just hanging out. Just hanging, hanging out. Hanging and banging. Hanging wanging. Uh, all right, so we're both going to give zero to five ratings so that we get a total out of ten. Jay, I don't know, like a one and a half, maybe a two. This, is, this isn't as bad, as like completely awful as some of the things that we watch. No, it isn't like... A two I think I'm going to go with. 
it isn't the worst thing ever, but it's just so poorly paced. Yeah. And and not affecting. And, and you, fl- that's that's it. It's so just a piece of fluff yeah. where nothing's there. Yeah. It's no. like the narration. Yeah, it's fleeting. It just it, it doesn't really mean anything. You know, you don't come out the end going like, "Oh my gosh, they found true love and became stars." Instead, you're like, "Well, what was that? Like 90 minutes?" <laughs> oh, okay. Well, we're done. Yeah. So, uh I think I'm going to give it a I'll give it a two and a half just cuz it it at least is watchable. So, four and a half out of ten, that is our rating for Winter's Tale. Thank you so much for listening. Join us in a couple weeks for more Movie Mastery. Yeah, we're probably going to do it in theaters now. By the way, John, I don't know if the poll's up for January yet. It is not. Okay, well, I mean, just... it will be when this is up. Okay, good. Okay, just checking. But but where do people go to do that? They go to SystemMasteryPodcast.com, go to the Movie Mastery tab, and for in theaters now is where you'll find... The poll for January, so you can tell us what to go see in theaters. Mm-hmm. Are you? Uh, I know it came out in December, but are you going to put cats on that list just cause, just to give people a chance? I don't know. I mean, because a lot of people are definitely going to want us to go see cats. Yeah, but I don't know if cats is still going to be in theaters in two weeks. I don't so. think. I don't think it's coming out. I, think I don't that, think it's there now. I, I think. It, I think it's definitely still there because there's still people talking. I'm just curious if your intent was to include cats so that people could torture us. It was not my intention okay just checking i also didn't put rise of skywalker in there well none of that yeah i mean i have a lot of opinions on rise of skywalker oh i'm sure but But i don't want to do them yeah and you haven't you haven't uh i have not watched it yet and i don't want to kind of you live in a blissful world right now i do i live in a world where it could be anything yeah all right it's just pure potential to you and someday that angel that's rise of skywalker (laughs) is gonna find its miracle wings Ugh. Thank you so much for joining us on this magical journey of starlight where we have become angels and our wings will flap forever. John, when we die, do you think our stars are going to be close to each other? (laughs) I hope not. God, I've had enough of that. Your star probably farts. (laughs) Thank you so much. We'll see you in two weeks. Until then, you have a good one.